Welcome to Canada's podcast. Hi, this is Celine Williams hosting from Ontario for Canada's podcast. Teresa Vatsa is an executive coach, former chief HR officer and leadership expert for women in high pressure positions. Thank you for joining me today, Teresa. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. And I'm so impressed you said my last name perfectly. <laughs> Half Italian, if I can't get that right. Right, I knew it. I knew there was something about you. <laughs> Man, if, if I didn't get that right, my family would be like, come on now. <laughs> As they should, as they should. That was great. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very glad because I always am hesitant. Like, did I, did I get it right? I'm glad I did. Um, you did. Very, Perfect. very excited to talk to you today. I am uh, biased as someone who also is an executive coach and love. I'm all about leadership, so I'm really excited to talk to you about your experience. And I'd love to start by hearing a little bit about your story of what got you to doing what you're doing right now. Hmm. It's a great question, Celine. And I would say, as we were talking just for a few minutes before the show, my story is really one of having fallen down myself and then having to get myself back up. And what were all the different lessons along the way in that in that journey, if you will? And I do think the word journey is overused, but I used it, and so here we go. But I, I think for me. I always had a sneaking suspicion that I was destined to do something else than I was doing. However, like as with many women, we just keep on the treadmill, right? So 2015, I was on that treadmill. I was just promoted to a vice president role and I was flying high, if you will. And I was a classic overachiever type. I did not know when to stop. And because I was in a new position, I didn't think it was even a choice to be able to to say no. So you asked me to do things and I would say yes and I would do them. Well, that landed me in an emergency ward because I had to be carried out in the stretcher with anxiety attacks. At the time, I did not think it was anxiety. I thought it was my heart. I thought Mm. I was undergoing a severe heart issue. And I wish I could tell you that it was just one time, but I ended up going back to the emergency ward probably three more times to check on my heart. And each time the doctor saying to me, Teresa, you have extremely high anxiety. Here's a lorazepam, which was the medication they gave you to calm down and go to sleep and go home and get some sleep. And so that began the journey to really get a hold of the anxiety that I had, which seemed to be around work. And um, that burnout episode, which is what it was characterized as, we kind of became the catalyst for change going forward. So I started to really learn and understand um, the importance of energy management and what that actually was. And then I became to, I started to become very serious about my coaching business. I had a side hustle at the time, one or two clients. And then I really started to take it more seriously. And once the pandemic hit, I was at a crisis point in at work where I was, I could feel the beginnings of that same anxiety giving rise in my body. Thankfully, I knew enough to know the warning signs and I was able to curtail it, but only after I made the very deliberate 
decision to leave and start my own business. And so that is kind of what started the entire, you know, experience that I had as an executive coach, predominantly choosing to work with women in high pressure roles who feel, who feel trapped and whether they feel trapped because they're called for more and they want to become an entrepreneur or they feel trapped because they work it for a boss that doesn't support them or they're experiencing severe burnout. And that was about two years ago and it's the best decision I've ever made. Um, I love that. I have, I have two questions. The first one is, I'm curious if you ever work with women who um, feel less trapped by, say, a job or a role that they want to escape, but feel trapped by the life they've created that they thought was supposed mm -hmm. to be one thing and not the other. It may not be work specific, um, but, you know, fully uh, is my, I'm going to totally own a bias here. I hear a lot of that where it's not even necessarily or as specific as this job is is or this role or this boss yeah. is the problem but it's like i think i've created a life that may not be the life that i want oh my gosh all the time and in fact i think i was just writing an article today about you know the life you want to escape from mm -hmm. and so for many women their careers become their way of escaping. If it's not the 4 p.m. cocktail or if it's not scrolling through Instagram, it could be work. And so I hear a lot from women too who will say things like, this isn't what I thought it would be. And mm -hmm. when we really uncover what, what that's really about, it's because they're not living in integrity. And so when you're not living in integrity, your body starts to reject you. And so it'll start to show up in feelings of anxiety or stress or overwork or saying yes when you mean no. So, yeah, the life that they find themselves in is so unsatisfactory because they made decisions back when they're in their 20s or 30s, depending on when they started the career, their career is like really taking off. That wouldn't be the same decisions that they would make today. And I think once women feel like they're allowed, like that, and it's it's terrible that we even have to use that word, but for so many women, it's almost like we're waiting for permission to be told it's okay. It's okay for you not to want to do this anymore. It's okay for you to be exhausted. It's okay for you to wish that you had done something completely different. And further, it's not too late. Because I think that that really also enslaves women is this belief that I should be happy. It's, you know, I, I really should just be happy with what I have. It's not that mm -hmm. bad. And then we yeah. start telling ourselves these things, right? Yeah. I love what you said about permission, because I think that that is a real challenge for women across the board. Listen, I think it comes from how we socialize little girls. I think yeah. it is a whole deep, much larger societal thing, you know, that, is, that exists in most societies, but definitely in North America. And that mm -hmm. is that we, as women, look for permission to do things. Is it okay for me to do this? Mm -hmm. Is it okay? Is it mm -hmm. okay to, to, you know, be different, make a different choice, whatever the case may be, rather than trusting our intuition or looking internally and saying, is this what I want? Like, is this, yeah. rather than 
do I have permission to do this? Is this even what I want? Is that, what would it be if I could do what I want to do? That's one of the first questions I ask women um, as well is, you know, what is it that you really, really want? And it would, it always baffles me, but it shouldn't, because I don't know that I would have been able to have answered that years ago, but so many women don't know how to answer that. And I think Mm -hmm. it's because we have been so used to not asking ourselves what we want, that those neural pathways have not been strengthened. And so instead, we are settling for what is has been normalized in our in our lives, in our careers. And in fact, one of the things um, I often will you know coach women on is the importance of not having to ask for permission and watching for it even in the language that you use. Like I used to do this all the time as an executive. Is that okay? Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Or I'm sorry. And I used to always use all this diminutive language almost unconsciously because it was what I had conditioned myself to be as secondary to to men. And you're right. I mean, a lot of it is just the way little girls have been brought up. But the good news is that once we recognize how we keep kind of pulling ourselves down, we have the ability to change that. And that's Mm -hmm. what happened to me is I was able to really question my language and what I was telling myself and what I was making things mean. It was, it was, it wasn't true. And so I had to really uncover for myself, what does it mean to live a life that is true? And it sounds cliche, but there's a reason cliches exist for a reason is because it's, it originates from somewhere. And that one is true. You know, if we're living in any kind of dishonest fashion to ourselves, it's going to show up in maladaptive ways. Absolutely. And I, I think that it is really hard to, I think it is more challenging. Let's put it that way. I think it's more challenging for women than for men. And I'm not saying it's not challenging for men as well. Mm -hmm. Please don't get me wrong, Mm -hmm. but I think it is more challenging for women than for men, let alone when you get into, you know, people of color, indigenous, like let alone any other, you know, queer, whatever group that is outside of that to do something that is different than what is expected or own that they want something that is different than whatever the quote norm is to Mm -hmm. step into that and trust that it's okay to be different in that way. It Mm -hmm. is much more challenging for women. And so we do have a tendency to use, you know, language that diminishes us to always kind of check that balance. Um, You know, the thing that I always notice in emails is how often women say, I just have, I just have a question. This is, you know, just really quickly or whatever that is to make it asking for permission to ask something or say something that is completely quote normal to ask or whatever the case may be. And it's, it's really, I think it's important that we acknowledge that that, that this is real. It is more challenging. It is. And I think by acknowledging that it may be more difficult for women doesn't take away from the fact that men experience it too. So I'm I'm glad you you made that disclaimer because you're right. However, what I've noticed is that there is an increased propensity 
among women to play smaller because of the messages we've received from a very young age around playing nice and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, saying sorry and Mm -hmm. all of those extremely well-meaning messages that have only served to kind of put women like in our place, right? Like knowing Mm -hmm. how, how to use your manners and the decorum and, you know, all of those different things that again, the intention I don't believe was malicious, but the result has been in a culture of women who feel the need to have to ask for things. Mm -hmm. And that for sure is, you know, patriarchally created. However, I also think that there's a movement happening of which I am hopeful and very inspired to be part of, where an increasing number of women, whether you're a corporate or a business owner or a stay-at-home mom or whatever it is that you decide to do, um, takes pride in the roles that they've chosen for themselves. And it's their decision. Mm-hmm. It's not a decision that others have bestowed upon them. It's a decision that they're making. Um, I have a little girl, her name is uh, Isabel. And I just bought her this book called Rebel Girls. And it's this fantastic book of all of these really inspiring, free-thinking women who have made choices to do things that completely went against the norm. Um and how they came about that resilience or that ability. And in almost every story, there was someone that didn't believe in them or an institution or an organization that didn't believe in them, but they persevered. And I think that that perseverance, that resilience, that grit, those are all qualities that women also have in spades. And so that is why they have the ability to kind of triumph over that um, playing small, if you will. Yeah, I think that, first of all, I'm we're definitely going to link that book in the notes just as a yeah. sidebar for anyone with, with little girls, because I think that's a fantastic call out. Oh. Thank you for shouting it out. Yeah. Um, and I, when you started talking about this, I thought, oh, this is so interesting because not even a week ago, I had, I, I, I had a... <laughs> a man say to me, you know, you're kind of a bitch. And I said, (laughs) and this is like a playing small thing. And I said, I think you mean that I'm direct and confident and society (laughs) has taught you that that means I'm a bitch. Would you ever say that to a guy? And he immediately stopped and was like, oh my goodness. Oh, I bet. But it is a, I use that example because it's a, it is, first of all, I'm not the only woman who has experienced this. I am not, but it's so common to hear things like that as a woman to have moments like that that are reinforcing the idea of playing small like how dare you step into something that is not expected of your gender you're not playing nice right now mm-hmm. we don't always need to play nice it's okay to there is it's absolutely okay it's beyond okay to be direct and know what you want and state your needs and not back down because someone is challenging and it's not about being right or wrong but you can have a discussion and be challenged and hold your ground as a woman and we're so often taught that the playing nice which then becomes being nice which then becomes playing small is more important Mm, that's so powerful yeah and you know 
what I love about that story too, though, is that what comes to my mind as I hear you is it doesn't like I hear from women sometimes that say to me, oh, I wish I was more like you, or I wish I could be more direct. And when I hear that, I hear a woman who has given up. I hear someone who has decided for themselves in that moment, and maybe for years before that, that they don't, they're not capable of being any other way. And look, I'm not advocating that women need to change any aspect of themselves that they don't want to change. However, if something is continuing to harm you, and let's face it, I mean, I work with women in, in professions that are high stress, and there's a lot that's not to their, um, to their benefit. And so the only way out of that is to practice. And once you uncover all of the, um, and I know this is really big out there too, but like limiting beliefs and, and the paradigms and all of the different ways in which to say all of the head trash, you know, that we've heard growing up and even as adults, once we start to just like uncover that, we can unravel those beliefs and actually be different. I mean, I had a client who, um, uh, when she first started with me, she was unable to say no to her CEO. And I mean, she just said, you don't understand. I remember her always saying this, but you don't understand. This is, this is so not like me. I'm not made to do this. And I was like, I want you to try one sentence, just one. And that sentence is, let me get back to you. And that one sentence, and I would have gone further because I'm more, I'm a bit more bold that way, but we had to start small, right? And that one sentence gave her a little bit more lift, a little bit more self-trust that she was capable of using her voice to assert a boundary without being a quote unquote bitch, Mm -hmm. right? And that was the starting point of her changing her entire relationship with predominantly men in her case that were really um, difficult to work with in, in her words. And it's as simple as starting with very small, low hanging fruit. And I, I promise you that change can happen, but if it it starts with what we believe about ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I love the suggestion of let me get back to you as a starting point. And for the record, it, in my opinion, if that's as far as it ever gets, that you use let me get back to you and you take the time and you can, great, do that. If that is as far yeah. as, if that is as direct as you're willing to go is in that moment to say that and gather yeah. information and come, fine. But if that's a door to being more direct in the moment when and saying like, actually, this is a no for, I mean, the version of this yeah. is a no for me, I'm not saying use that language, Yeah, even better, but it doesn't, that is okay as the yeah. place that you continue as a as a language you continue to use and it's such a great suggestion for women also men for the record again yeah. for anyone to step into the to their voice yeah. and their power of saying no or mm-hmm. you know checking in with themselves because in the moment mm-hmm. we cannot always recognize the head trash as you mentioned it in the moment mm-hmm. we're not always it is a practice to be able to understand that as you're going through it. It is a practice to to be able to say, this is really what I want and check mm-hmm. in when you're in a high stress, high pressure, whatever situation. So 
if you're not practiced in that yet, if that's not, if, if that's always going to be a thing that you're like, I need a minute, because there are people who will always need a minute. Yeah. Let me get back to you is such a great doorway to that. It is. I love it. I use it too, especially as it relates to even my kids. But the other thing too, is it, it gives your nervous system an opportunity to calm down. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm a big believer that the body and the mind speak to one another. And so that powerful pause gives, just allows a crack of um, insight or wisdom or ability to compose yourself if it's a heated situation. And that alone can be like deal breakers in, in the corporate space, or even if you're an entrepreneur and you're, and you're working with a client and a client says something to you that you're like, I don't know that I want to say yes to this request. That pause alone is the difference between taking on a project that might have you burning the midnight oil and being super exhausted to, you know, choosing something that you would much rather be doing or simply choosing a different client. We are always with choice. And I always say this um, as well is like, gone are the days where we don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I don't know if you find this as well, but maybe your viewers can relate. But when we're first starting a business, we tend to want to say yes to everyone. And Absolutely. Because we're like, you know, oh my God, I, you know, I don't know when my next <laughs> dollar is going to come through. And my coach always calls it that we live in a results economy as an entrepreneur. We get paid for our results. So how dare I say no? And sometimes I'm like, how dare you not say no? If there's a client that, you are not in integrity with. And again, it's not always, but I do see this tending to be a little bit more difficult for women than men. Although males who start out in startups have this problem as well, um, is really being discerning. How do we create that discernment to say, does this client align with the service I provide and the mission that I'm here to serve in the world? And knowing what that is and your and like what message you're here to to convey to the world is so critical. And it actually reduces decision fatigue is when you know who you're for and you know who you're not for. And that is incredibly freeing. So it, you know, these things translate in both worlds. And it's really interesting because I find that people, not only entrepreneurs, but executives as well, are so hesitant to declare what their values are, what they're here to do, what matters to them in a decisive way. Noting these things can change because we're all humans and we are all capable of change. So declaring that this is what matters to me and this is what I stand for, what I align with, what my values are, who I work with, whatever the case may be. There, there's such a hesitancy to own that mm. because I think we, that we are so prone to thinking if I, do, if I own that, then I can't work with anyone outside of that. Then look at, what, look at what's not possible yes. as opposed to what is possible by owning yes. it. And I, yeah. and I'm always, I think, listen, I've been there. I've, <laughs> I've done it in my Me own too. business. For sure. You know, it's. It's so I get that it's an evolution, a process, but it's so fascinating to me how consistent that still is in both the entrepreneur 
and the the executive mm-hmm. world, regardless of the number of times that people say, if I put on a marketing hat for a second, you cannot market to everyone. You cannot be for everyone. There's nothing that is for everyone. I don't care if you look at Apple, right? Anything, yeah. An iPhone, it's still not for everyone. It might be for a chunk of people, but it's not for everyone. And yet we think, if I don't make this appeal to everyone, if my values don't align with everyone, if my company that I work with, you know, the people I work with, if everyone is not included, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. And in fact, my coach, she's, she's been pivotal for me in, 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 and she has this one liner that I swear to God, it's, it's like imprinted in my head and it goes for both corporate and executive is that the confused mind won't buy. Right. So whether you're like, you can translate that into the corporate world as well as the entrepreneurial world, but if I'm not clear in what I'm communicating, if I'm not clear on who I serve and who I don't mm-hmm. serve, then I am doing a disservice not only to myself, but also to the person across from me who is sitting there saying, help me. Do you have the expertise to help me with my specific problem? So it's the same thing with the executive space as well. As you know, as an executive coach yourself, is that if you're not clear with your team members or your leaders or your um, your clients, who like what you're what you're providing them, they will not mm-hmm. buy in. So as entre- entrepreneurs, we pay cash, right? We buy a service, we pay, and that's how we give them our sale. In corporate, it's the buy-in, it's the influence, it's yes, I'll do business with you, and so it's the same thing that. Clarity can only come when, in my in my opinion, when the channels are clear. Mm-hmm. So the clarity can only come when the 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 vessel, which is our body, is clear of the mental noise and the distraction and the head trash. And so so often I see entrepreneurs make the mistake of um, wanting to get their website up, website up or create a funnel or, you know, do a webinar. And those are all great tactics. But unless you know who you want to be when you grow up and who you want to serve and how to position your message in a way that people are clear what you have to offer, it's kind of all busy making and Mm -hmm. it distracts you from the the real deal, which is authentic conversation, relationship. That's what people want. And yeah. so I would, you know, I would say that till the cows come home. Yeah. Um, I could not agree more. And I think I've spoken about this on the podcast before. That was my first couple of years doing this business was definitely the first year and a half was exactly that. I had to have a website. I had to figure out, you know, giveaways. I had to create, you know, an email list, yeah. set all these things up. None of it mattered ultimately. And no. was... I mean, listen, I have a website that is so old at this point and a new website that is has been like in a holding pattern <laughs> because it's just, I know now that I should do it, but I also know that it's not the be all end all of my business. My business is fine yeah. without that specific thing because yeah. it is about the, the connection and it a lot changed for me when I got clear on who I was working with, with the note that it has evolved over the past mm-hmm. eight years who my mm-hmm. ideal client is, 
now who I work with, who I'm for has evolved as I've evolved, as my business has evolved. And that is also okay. You don't, yeah. I think we get really hung up on like, I am declaring this as my thing and this is the only, no, we all evolve. It is wonderful to own that and be okay with that and, you know, be in the evolution and share it with people because that's how we know it's okay. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things um, I often say to others as well is like, you were only one decision away from choosing something else. So one of the things I think is so, so critical, and, and I'm with you, like my, gosh, my first couple of years when I was still a side hustle building my business, it was like, it was exhausting. I was close to burnout again because I was focusing on all on being everything to everybody. And again, this is the same problem I see with my executive clients. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to be everything to everybody, including at home, right? Remember, like I work with women. So not only are they, you know, trying to do that at work, they're coming home and also trying to be everything to everyone there too. And mm -hmm. so, you know, one of the things I think is so freeing is when you know you're only a decision away to making a different choice. I tried something, it didn't work. And that's what I think is the, is the reason my business has become successful is because I have the courage to try things and fall flat on my face. Yes. And, and I've done all of that. Like I have, I've had funnels that don't work. I've had people saying your website is down right when I had a lead magnet ready to go. Like I've had so many different problems and um, all of it has been completely necessary to my growth as an entrepreneur and to my growth as a woman. And especially as a woman who is able to take that in stride and not mm. be undone by it. Because I can tell you in 2015, I was undone by it, right? Clearly by being taken out by a stretcher. So um, I think, I love that our conversation is going everywhere, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Hope your viewers love it too. But this is how I, this is my, how I roll. This is my jam is um, that. Yeah. Like it's about just being able to be fluid enough to go with the seasons of your business or the seasons of your career and go through it with grace without feeling like everything has to fit a certain box and picture because that's just not life. And so the more adaptable we can be in weaving through those cycles, the better we will be as business owners, as, as executives. I mean, this conversation is a great reflection of that. It's about going with the flow and opening right. up, you know, wherever comes and not being so focused on it has to be this way or it has to yeah. look like this. Um, yeah. And I appreciate you going with the flow in that because this is definitely the type of conversation I like to have also. Good. Well, we're a right, we're a good pair then. <laughs> um, I do want to ask this question before we wrap up is, is yeah. because this has been very flowing, is there anything that we didn't get to that you would like to bring up or something you want to emphasize um, in the conversation we had? Um, because I do expect, I mean, unsurprising, mm -hmm. I do expect that we're going to have a lot of women listening to this and watching this. Mm -hmm. I think the... What always stands out to me is the piece around how living in integrity is 
really the true path to freedom, right? So the more we know ourselves, the more we know what's not working is the better off we will be to finding what does. So knowing what you really want is such a critical question. And if women need help answering that question, that's where help is there for you, you know, and start with just asking, well, what's, what do I know is not working and take a 24 hour scan and ask yourself what areas of my life are draining me right now? And what areas of my life are replenishing me? That is a good gauge to start the deeper work of understanding what am I meant to be doing? What can I take off my plate to increase my energy and, and ultimately increase my success as well? Because our businesses will only thrive. Our roles will only thrive insofar as we listen very intentionally to what our body needs and what our emotional health needs. Mm. Anything other than that is just a road to, to, to stress. And we have too much of that already in this world. We definitely do. And all the women, especially experiencing burnout are, are the evidence of that for anyone who's like, Oh, that's not a real thing. It is. There's tons of evidence around us about it. Yeah. Um, I want to thank you for taking the time to chat with me. It was really lovely getting to know you a little bit more and sharing your story. And this was wildly insightful. So thank you so much, Teresa. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. I really loved our conversation, Celine. As did I. And thank you for listening to Canada's podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe to all our channels to get the latest podcasts from entrepreneurs across Canada.